As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to The Athletic MBA Show, Monday through Friday, on The Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to Tampering. We're this beautiful game of basketball that we all love and talk about every single day. Sam Sam. To be able to bring people together. Reportedly at the center of an NBA investigation into tampering accusations. And the message to executives in the league is stop talking about players on other teams. What did I do? The charges filed. Impermissible contact. Is right or wrong? Tampering charges are really difficult to prove. You know me, I talk. Awkward to even talk about it. I can't even mention teams anymore. Ask me what I like to play with Kevin Durant. The trial you want with tampering. They're always ahead of the rules. It's not rocket science. I have tampered with the guys. I didn't tamper. I'm just telling you what happened. I'm just telling you what happened. I'm just telling you what happened. Hello and welcome to the Tampering Podcast, part of the Athletic NBA Show Network. I'm Sam Amick, national writer. At the Athletic, uh, still on the West Coast, but down the coast a little bit. From Sacramento down to San Diego, training camp time. I'm down here to see the Nets, the Nuggets, and the Clippers. Kind of wild having all three teams in one spot. Here with the one and only Anthony Slater, Warriors beat writer, etc. We've added some etc. the last couple of months here, buddy. But how are you, sir? What a setup Sam Amick has. He just looks across the league, goes, where is the nicest training camp? Oh, I'll, t- <laughs> I'll, I'll go with San Diego. That might be the greatest climate, I think, in the country. I mean, it, you could argue it's one of the best in the world. I mean, it is Yo, like 75 every single day of the year. The, the, the scene in front of me does not agree with you. I don't, I mean, well, you're that's in like what a I was. hotel room or something. No, I'm looking through a window. I'm looking at gray clouds. I don't know what's going on here. Uh, oh, no, it dipped to 71 today. Yes, oh, no. I need some sunshine. But in general, you are correct. I am not complaining about the locale. And, uh, you know, this is a trip I've made before three years ago. In fact, I have a soft spot for this road trip because right when I joined the athletic, it was my first time hitting the road. The Nuggets were down here. Uh, I think that was the only squad at the time. And I was doing Lakers Clippers up in LA. Uh, it's it's neat though, because you get past media day, which on today's pod, no question, we're going to dive deep in all the different media days. We're going to talk about obviously the vaccination topic, which is hot and heavy at the moment. And uncomfortable in some circles. We're going to talk about the Ben Simmons situation that I wrote about today. So a lot to get into, but as far as, you know, the landscape out here and media wise, you know, we're coming out Slater of this pandemic time when 
We lost a lot of access. It has gotten somewhat better. I'm excited to do the old school thing of just walking into a gym, saying hello to people, uh, you know, in these three different camps and, and kind of doing what we do. So looking forward to it for sure. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I was back at the Warriors facility yesterday in person. You know, I saw Steve Kerr um, and it was like, whoa, it's been a while. You know, like, you know, I've seen him on Zoom probably like 400 times over the last uh, year and a half. But in person, seeing, you know, some of the players, it's um, somewhat normal. I mean, we're wearing masks, so it does feel a little abnormal. But at the same time, masks have become kind of normal to like yeah, you know, yeah, sit yeah. there and talk with people. So uh, it was yeah. good. It was good. No, I'm with you for sure. Social media yesterday with all the media folks that, that I follow and friends and colleagues was wild in that regard because you had a lot of people like one who comes to mind is, is Sean Cunningham, uh, you know, works with uh, News 10 up in Sacramento, had a post about first time back in the Kings facility since March of 2020, which is wild. Because if you didn't cover the playoffs at any point, if you didn't cover the bubble, then you're talking no in-person access, which now I'm forgetting. Does that include you, my guy? No, I, I, you know, if, I cover the finals. With us, yes. Yeah, well, I was West thinking Warrior-centric, yeah. Yeah, but Warriors, like my memory there, Warriors we were together wise, every day for like two months. You know, Summer League was was in person. You know, we saw a lot of people at Summer League, but just like, you know, last year's media day was just a bunch of Zooms, <laughs> essentially. So, uh, and then, you know, I'm going to practice today. Right. Good stuff. All right. Let's get to those media days, man. I don't know where to start. Um, we're going to we're going to start I think Philadelphia because you wrote a story today that that, you know, it was you're advancing the story and your story was about basically, you know, the Joel Embiid Ben Simmons angle of this partnership and the fact that he's kind of done with that uh, pairing and and and, you know, for basketball reasons, it sounds like. Yeah. I mean, to paint the picture here, you know, it was a natural follow to the events of yesterday and media day in Philly, which, you know, the Zoom component, certainly it allows somebody like me on the West Coast to jump in and and monitor this. So I'm in my kitchen watching Doc Rivers and Daryl Morey and Joel Embiid talk about Ben Simmons. And naturally, you know, as they were being really candid, um, thinking to myself, like, man, what's it like for Ben and what is his reaction going to be to some of this stuff? Now, specifically, if anybody missed it, you know, Sixers president of basketball operations, Daryl Morey, probably grabbed the headline when he said two things that, that were, uh, you know, attention grabbing that number one, that he had optimism that there could still be a reunion here and talked about the history of these types of situations and how they typically play out. And he's alluding to the idea that, you know, Ben's got four years left and $140 million on his contract. So, you know, the inference there is that at some point the player is going to return. But then he made this reference to, he didn't say him by name, but to Aaron Rodgers, you know, the Green Bay Packers quarterback who looked like he was done. Who slayed your Niners on Sunday. I know. God, that was brutal. Uh, Trunk neighbor John was was not happy with that result. I was. I I enjoyed watching Niners fans (laughs) score. But anyway, yes. So he compares him to Aaron Rodgers. And and this is all the backdrop to the story that I wrote because um, that just, again, the reporter side of me, that the question obviously jumps up in your head like, okay, how does Ben feel about this new shaping of the narrative that, oh, it's it's still possible to have the reunion. Um, needless to say, like I wrote, he does not agree in the slightest. Uh, the basketball reasons that you hit on relating to Joel, you know, there's nuance there, right? Where this is not a an old school Kobe Shaq personal beef. Uh, you know, that's not my understanding. The basketball side, though, is that Ben has reached the conclusion that playing with Joel is not good for his career. It's not conducive to the way he plays and what he does best. And he believes that the Sixers are making the right move by prioritizing Joel. 
and understands it. But, you know, the other part of the equation that he's just waiting to happen is, okay, fine, but send me somewhere else. Let's This relationship is over. So it's just getting more and more uncomfortable. You know, Sham Sharania from our place had reported a few days ago that that uh, you know Ben's teammates wanted to jump on a plane and kind of go do that that thing where you you go convince your teammate to feel better and come back to camp and they got turned away. Ben is is stiff arming everybody. He doesn't want to be there. Um and it's a stalemate, a staring contest, whatever you want to call it. And you're right though, the basketball stuff is front and center. And say what you want about the shortcomings in Ben's game and the idea that you know people thought by this point in his career they would have gotten better on the shooting front, on the free throw front, all of the above, but he's ready to do it in another place and uh, and, and continues to decide to not be at camp. And, and we'll see how long that lasts because I will say this, in the course of my reporting, Slater, you know, tried to push as hard as possible on the question of is it completely out of the question that he would still come to camp? Well, the basketball side, I mean, I I'd agree with with Ben Simmons. Like he's kind of a center, which is so we're really talking about two centers. You mentioned, you know, theoretically, like, you know, the Shaq Kobe, one one dominant big, one kind of wing, smaller guard. But like, you know, Ben Simmons in 2021 fits most as like a small ball Draymond Green style, like do everything center who kind of play make two. And yeah, I'd agree. I mean, Joel Embiid is in his way. He's in Joel Embiid's way. Um, but I mean, we we all know the resolution here isn't related to, to basketball reasons. It's like Daryl Morey needs to get it to a point where he feels comfortable actually making a trade that I think we all think will eventually happen. And to me, their deadline is probably the, the trade deadline because they don't want to waste a Joel Embiid mid prime season and letting Ben Simmons sit the entire season will be wasting it. But I think they're good enough to compete early in the season, stay in an, the East playoffs, even if that means like at the four five, six seed, whatever. Um, and try to let the landscape play out in a more favorable situation where maybe you have a desperate suitor out there eventually that goes mid-season, whatever their mix is, isn't working. Okay, they will give more for Ben Simmons. Or, you know, the Portland situation blows up. The Blazers start 3-13, and 13, or, you know, that's probably an exaggeration, 3-13, and 13, but something happens where Lillard is ready to ask out. Um, I think they have time because they do have this four-year contract with Ben Simmons, but I think the time kind of runs out around the deadline because you don't just want to waste this Joel Embiid year. Well, but within that, we we haven't been able to answer the question of just how uncomfortable does it get? Does Ben, you know, Ben stay away? Because here's the thing on the human side in terms of where he's at with the franchise, a lot of the stuff I got into in the column, I think was kind of the updating of stuff we already knew. For me, here's what I learned that was new. And I wrote it in the lead, which is the idea that if you had to pick a moment when Ben essentially kind of severed emotional ties with the franchise, you go to last year when he was convinced that he was going to Houston. And the idea there that's fascinating to me is that I think he sees Daryl Morey as an executive whose first objective, first job when he came to Philly from Houston was to obviously go get his guy, to get James Harden. So at the time when it didn't happen, Ben, to his credit, did choose to not say anything publicly, didn't complain. Even his camp at that time would essentially say, hey, you know, this is the business and he's ready to play. They go secure the best record in the East. We know how it finishes against Atlanta. It feels like it's kind of a retroactive resentment, if that makes sense. Like, you know, I did the right thing. 
And I, I didn't cause a stink when I could have because you guys were out there trying to send me to Houston. He was even looking for real estate in Houston, which again, I think kind of humanizes it. But then when they fell short, he obviously thinks that he became the scapegoat and and now he, you know, we are where we are. But the other thing, Slater, is that as you know, relationships matter a ton in this business. And I think what's really challenging for them now is that if you look around that room in the Sixers room, Elton Brand, you know, who's working with Daryl Morey in their front office is kind of the only guy who has a, a deeper relationship with Ben. You know, Doc Rivers is not necessarily the coach that he thought he'd be playing for. There was talk back, uh, you know, during the time of transition that Ty Lue would be the guy, but the Clippers secured Ty. I feel I, like I just, Ty Lue was like almost the coach in like nine different spots. But so. Yeah, fair, fair. But I, I mean, I think that, you know, that was probably, you know, the, the way Ben was hoping it was going to go. Yeah. Um, and so in terms of people who can really inspire some sense of loyalty in Ben or, or bring him back in, I just don't think those people exist out there. And he's clearly mentally just waiting for the next spot. Yeah. And I'm not even sure they're public. Uh, messaging on it is as committed to like trying to mend it as they it's want not. it to be. I mean, Doc Rivers, like in one breath is, you know, we love Ben. We want Ben back. But then th he had some, I, I think it was on like CNBC or something. He had some comment about sometimes I feel like I'm talking to a Trump supporter or something like that. I, I, I don't want to uh, like that. That was a paraphrase that people could go yes. look up the quote, but then <laughs> I thought the funny one, and we could mention it a little, cause you were talking about, you know, being a little bit sour about, being on the trade block. How about the Joel Embiid quote about, Hey man. And it was such a humble brag quote. He's like, look, if the Warriors wanted to trade clay and Steph for me, they'd probably say yes. And I was like, <laughs> well, we know what Joel Embiid thinks his value is league. wide. Right. Even those two superstar guards. <laughs> right there. Um, but it was still, if it was the like Sixers a, got know, an offer for Michael Jordan in his prime and wilt, but there's a little, have to take it. Yeah. But there's a little bit of like a, eh, get over it type yeah. of you know public messaging which just shows you they're not really that committed to actually wanting to mend the fence and have Ben Simmons play out four years of his contract and believing that this will actually work what they want to do is just get it back to a situation where Ben Simmons is you know re resuscitating his trade value so then they can go get you yes know, the best value and he's not themselves. I mean can you I don't know I, we don't pick sides in this stuff but in terms of like analyzing different camp strategies I don't know that I can blame him in terms of the idea of getting ahead of it, because he he is smart enough to know. I think you're hitting the nail on the head. He's he's essentially, you know, everybody's trying to fiend a, a, a deep level of authenticity when the reality is they just need him to fill the slot and pretend that he's willing to be there so that his value goes up and he's not feeling it. So um, I don't know how it ends. Some of the, the different trade possibilities that you hear about, I think, you know, the theme within all of that is that Daryl Morey, like always, is star hunting. You know what I mean? He's looking for the biggest name. Can Damian Lillard finally get pulled out of Portland and brought to Philly? Things like that. And instead, a lot of the ideas that have been put in front of him, I think, you know, one that, that came to mind in this reporting was uh, San Antonio. You know, could and this is in the past, but could there be a, a DeJounte Murray, Lonnie Walker and picks type thing that, you know, that some, you know, certain people within the situation think would be a good move, but that's not the type of thing Daryl's been trying to do. You know, is it... CJ McCollum and, and Robert Covington and picks in Portland. It's just not sexy enough for Philly's liking. And other than Lillard, I don't know who else checks that box. And the Lillard thing, I mean, if you watch Media Day out in Portland, that's not happening anytime soon. He's clearly giving that another go out there. Well, can't Daryl just wait? I mean, it was the, the situation I 
laid out earlier. Like, can can he not wait to see, you know, Damian Lillard can can show a brave face and, you know, I'm Rip City all the way. But but is he waiting with Ben still out, out of town? Are you saying? Yeah, because yeah. because look, you well, I mean, what's their record at the deadline then? Well, I mean, this dude like, was everyone, second to defensive every, player of the year. Yeah, no, you no, know? no, no, no doubt. But. They they still got Tobias Harris, Seth Curry, Tyrus uh, Maxi, and um, you know obviously you know Embiid will have to have an MVP like season, but he kind of was that last year. And you know the East is a little deeper, so maybe that's a little bit more risky. I, they won't be like you know one two seed like they were last year, but I think they could stay in the playoff hunt and then kind of monitor Portland, monitor some of the other situations. DC with Beal, you know, Beal has not signed his extension, uh, uh, you know, as of this point. So right. uh, maybe that situation kind of gets unsettled again. I just think, or, you know, out with the Warriors who have like shown no interest in Ben Simmons yet. Well, what if like they just have a bad start to the season and there's a little bit more public pressure from their stars of like, look, just like trade the kids, essentially. Right. Um, you know, there. I just think he has time. And maybe that time runs out if the Sixers themselves start seven and 10 and Joel Embiid's like, look, figure it out. Get me any type of help. Just Ben Simmons for whatever package. Get me Deontay Murray right now, essentially. Uh, But I just I think you could like they tried to fake it at media day. And I think at some point the questions sort of kind of. (laughs) Yeah. If Ben Simmons is really just going to sit in L.A. until he's told he's on another team. I mean, we, we won't. I don't think the media will sit there in Philly every single day and ask Ben Simmons questions. I think at some point, once they're five games into the season and it's very clear Ben Simmons isn't coming back, we're going to be talking about their team and and, and how they're trying to win. And and Daryl Morey will be sitting back waiting for his opportunity. And I, like I said, I do think the deadline is kind of the the end point, but he's got a lot of time until February. Yeah, and I mean, my last point on this topic will be we have seen plenty of times before how you know, call it the calm before the or the storm before the calm, I guess, is in these superstar situations, AD, James Harden, you know, a lot of times it, it gets it, you know, it reaches kind of a peak of uncomfortableness and then something finally pops. You know what I mean? The deal finally goes down and then everybody well, parts ways. Let me say on that, though, Anthony Davis was he was around the team. He was wearing the that's all folks shirt. James right. Harden. Yeah, he he did the, you know, Vegas holdout with the, you know, scene in the strip club type thing. But then remember, he came and he was uh, he was on the court, just like throwing the ball away, like in disgust. <laughs> and then he was having weird postgame comments. And the remember the DeMarcus Cousins uh, yeah, quotes yeah, like yeah. he was around making it uncomfortable. If Ben Simmons is just in L.A., at some point, he's just in L.A. That's a known fact. And and I do think the like everyone around Philadelphia and I'm talking, you know, I think what matters most is just like the local day to day coverage of that team. We'll just kind of be talking about the team that they're looking right. at on a daily basis and because they know this at Ben Simmons situation. To be clear, um, I think that that still could happen. You know, the Ben being there in person thing, because, again, I, I was trying to get check that box and answer that question and push on the question of, you know, is, is that there's no way that's going to happen. Uh, who knows? Maybe a few weeks down the road, that's where we're at. So we'll see where that story goes. Let's transition, brother. You you uh, went to Warriors Media Day and, and you know, um, if you didn't know any better, you'd think that you'd be talking about things like Clay Thompson's nearing a return in a few months, the Warriors getting closer to hole when it comes to the championship core, um, you know, Steve Kerr getting to see him in person, Draymond Green, all the usual suspects, but but no, we're not there. And it's not even oh, a fair. Story, which well, that no, that's what's 
you I'm it's to your point. Draymond Green, who was at the Rams Bucks game on Sunday, doesn't show up. Excuse absence. But the fact is, like after a summer in which he, uh, you know, had made some controversial comments, just wasn't there. But that's not a big story. Steph Curry, who, you know, is a mega star. Nobody's really talking about Steph Curry post media day. Clay Thompson, as you said, had a great interview, uh, but nobody's really talking about that. Oh, I don't know. Andre Iguodala, a franchise legend, returned and had another great interview. But it doesn't matter because <laughs> superstar Andrew Wiggins has taken the stage. No, I'm laughing because I, I read your column and I loved it. I mean, in, in writing to see you say, you know, and we're talking about dot, 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 uh, Andrew Wiggins. Yeah. You know, I mean, that kind of said it all. I mean, it's the guy who for years is like, I mean, is he like the, the least discussed max contract player in the league? I mean, there are times this summer I would go on like radio shows or like more national stuff. And uh, when I would say the name, Andrew Wiggins, people like, Oh yeah, I forgot. I forgot he's on the team. Right. right. I mean, listen, Twitter's a a brutal place, but I did chuckle a little bit. I, I don't know. I should give credit. Someone had a tweet that was like, if, if he was this aggressive on the court, he'd be a Hall of Famer uh, in, in terms of his vaccination status. But well, what so, is let, go ahead? Yeah, I was just going to say, like, Andrew Wiggins doesn't want to be the face of this. Andrew Wiggins, I think part of the Andrew Wiggins frustration is there's what, about 50 players league wide that, that don't have the vax. I mean, I believe it's like 90 percent are 10 percent of the league. 10 percent of. Yeah, about 45. Yeah. 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 And. He wouldn't if he was on the Houston Rockets, if he was on the Minnesota Timberwolves, as he used to be, he wouldn't be a story. He he's clearly was willing, is willing to, uh, you know, un, keep doing the uh, protocol that's a little bit more strict for unvaccinated players. But he didn't. I don't. He never wanted to like publicly like out himself. I mean, I know last year he said he didn't have the vaccine, but we asked him about it. But he doesn't want to be the story. But he has right. to be because he's part of, you know, a team in two cities. If you're on three teams in the league right now, Brooklyn, the Knicks or the Warriors, you cannot play home games. And that's why it's obviously become a mega story. And it's why he's sitting there yesterday. And he's the story of Warriors Media Day because the entire area and the franchise wants to know if they're starting small forward will play in home games this season. And if not, I mean, they they have to, you know, Steph Curry used the word, we got to adjust accordingly. Well, you know, I mean, are we talking potentially like putting him on the trade market? Sure. Uh, you know, and, well, and- let, let's have this discussion in, in a little bit of a broader context of the league and we're going to keep it on the Warriors. But again, if anyone missed it, you know, out in Washington, you had Bradley Beal being very open about his vaccination status. And I know this is not the place where where basketball fans come to get commentary on on this real life stuff but i mean it's hard to not share i guess a quick two cents which is for me it's just what drives me insane about some of this and certainly as somebody who's been vaccinated and was happy to do so early on is the lack of humility and at least that's my read on it with some of these guys when it comes to you know the the areas that they're not experts in you got an entire medical industry that is telling you this is the way to go and then you know that they're going off and doing haphazard research projects and coming to these conclusions. But you got Beal in DC, you got Kyrie in Brooklyn. He was not in media day, did a media session from home and is now going to be out with the team in San Diego because the laws are different out here. Um, This is a huge, huge story. And on the Wiggins front, before we hopped on the pod, you know, I looked at the video of Steph and you, you asking Steph about the situation and my goodness, just the level of, of, of uncomfortableness there and Steph trying to navigate it. And, you know, one of the themes that almost connects 
the Simmons story in this one, different reasons for this, but like you can't be wasting Steph Curry's prime either. You know, he had an incredible year last year and and, and they want now to just absolutely take that next step. And Wiggins is a big part of that. Yeah. Like uh, he's overpaid, but you know, at 31 million, but he's still will play 35 minutes and 82 games this season because he, right. you know, that's the, I guess, ironic part about all this. I mean, part of the, the reason they love him is durability. I mean, if you look at his game log, it's 82 games, 82 games, 81 games, 82. Like he's just always there. He was in the 81 games last season and he's, very reliable, very low maintenance historically, you know, a, a very subdued personality does not like not even just talking to the media. He's like just shy, you know, right, overall right. when you're when you're around him in private settings, too. So he like that. They don't want to, you could tell the players are uncomfortable sitting there like demanding. They don't want to demand Andrew Wiggins take the vaccine. They just need Andrew Wiggins on the court. And if this gets to a situation where San Francisco, the city does not allow him on the court and, and they've been pretty, you know, firm in their stance that if, he, you know, once October 13th hits, when, which is when the rule enacts, he's no longer eligible to play get home games at Chase Center uh, and their home openers the 21st. So that is kind of the uh, drop dead date of when this needs to be solved for the Warriors, which means you take it back two weeks because they would they've given the Johnson Johnson vaccine. Uh, they've offered that to to players and coaches. That's what most of them have taken. So that is just the one shot vaccine where you're fully vaccinated two weeks after. So October 7th is a big date around here, uh, around the Warriors. Like Andrew Wiggins needs to kind of decide by then, uh, declare. And, and, you know, if he, you know, remains firm that he's not going to get it. And, and yesterday publicly, the first time he's really talked about it, even as uncomfortable as he was about it, he kind of made it pretty clear. He still doesn't want to do it. Um, then I think they do have to look into to what they can get. Cause it's not tenable to just have a small forward who plays only in road games. Oh, not to mention you've got the obvious on court implications, but then the locker room stuff I think yeah. would be, Unbelievable. I mean, even um, I saw, and, and I think this was something that actually took place. Apparently, I don't know, you might have seen it. Wiggins gets off the press conference podium and and uh, Bielitsa's nearby and, and apparently kind of muttered to him, get the shot, you know, like somewhat lightheartedly, but but that is going to be, you know, kind of tenfold, a hundredfold as, as this thing goes on. Yeah. And, you know, obviously he's hearing from a lot of different avenues and, you know, he used the term, my back's kind of against the wall and you could feel that, you know, I've never been in an Andrew Wiggins press conference where you could really take much from it because he's historically pretty dull in those settings, but you could feel the the tension in the room. And also just like the, the, the tension within, within him that he was like uh, almost hurt that all these, it wasn't just the media that was sitting there. We were the ones at that moment kind of asking him like, dude, why are you not just, getting this right now but you could feel it's been days and days and weeks and weeks of people telling him why he has to do it and he was just, he's was getting very defensive about it and i was like yeah the you know these conversations are uh you know they're happening daily for him right now and i just i'm scared i'm more skeptical yesterday that 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 he's gonna get it than i was the day before because you're you kind of just figured it was gonna happen but he like did you read his quotes I saw some of the video. Yeah. yeah. In fact, I saw, you know, I mean, uh, our guy Marcus Thompson asked it a, a very specific pointed question about, you know, why, and I'm paraphrasing, but why are you choosing not to help us understand 
why you don't want it. And Andrew says, none of your business. And I don't ask you about your opinion on this and that. And essentially, who are you guys? Which even, it was a little, it was edgier than your typical Andrew Wiggins press conference. You know, he was... Then every Andrew Wiggins press conference everywhere. It, right. It and then, was compared you know, to a Kevin Durant press conference. Janie McCauley, you know, longtime veteran from the Associated Press had followed by trying to frame it, you know, accurately from the standpoint of, you know, we, meaning the, the media and the room is trying to help give voice to your perspective. And so that people and the fans who want to see you play can understand why you're making this choice. And, and he didn't bite on that. So um, what is your sense? You are constantly talking to the Warriors brass and and the, the, the power brokers in that space. Where are they right now in relation of that kind of that teeter totter between empathy and respecting the personal component of this? And it's time to get them out of town and put them on the trading block. They're not to the trading block point. There's there's just hope that the the idea that he's going to disappoint everyone in the locker room, the idea that, hey, he's probably going to lose 15 something million. The league has said that the teams are allowed to find suspend or just basically dock pay for games missed, essentially. Um, and if you miss 41 games, half the games and you make 31 million, I mean, that's about 15 million, a little bit more uh, that you technically are missing out on. And he was even asked about that. And he and he said, I, I know that. And that's my problem, not yours, essentially, that he's going to uh, miss all this pay. So I think the ramifications that he's stepping into, um, I think he's their their belief still is that at the end of the day, he's going to do it because he wants to play basketball. He wants to 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 be in really the most winning situation of his career. I mean, this is the best chance he's ever had to compete uh, for at least a conference title. And then the money. And, and I think at the end of the day, their belief is like before it matters, which, like I said, October 7th is kind of the, the declaration date, the last chance uh, he's he'll probably get it. Um, or if he doesn't, I think they'll readjust then. But uh, I think they'd have time to do so. But, but in no way I have not heard anyone behind the scenes yet say, oh, better start shopping them. Something like that. All right. Now, before we take a break, last question for me on the Warriors front. Uh, there was there was some non-vaccination stuff. I've decided, Slater, that if I'm ever having a bad day and I just need to uh, find my happy place, I, I need to go to Clay Thompson's Instagram feed, watch him on his boat, you know, flying through the, the bay and underneath the Golden Gate Bridge. And, and so he gets up there and gives his presser yesterday that talked about learning in 2020 that the world needs more love and and his personal uh, parameters for if you want to get on his boat, you have to prove that you love the sea. You have to prove that you can tie a knot, you know, and, and Clay is has found himself a happy place these days, even amid these career altering injuries. What uh, what did you think of his his uh, his time? He's rocking the the headband at media day yesterday. He's walking by talking about Jackie Moon. He's just he's everywhere. <laughs> the, the brain. You could ask him a question and like he takes it seven different ways, <laughs> but he's become, you know, a top five quote in the league, really, uh, when you can corral him in a press conference setting, which is very I hope it doesn't go away, though. Is this, is this partly a product of his absence from this he, space? Yes, it is. But I don't think it will. I mean, it's like, again, it's not easy to get 
an interview with him, uh, or even in a group setting like yesterday. I mean, that's, that's kind of mandated what he did yesterday. He probably will not talk again until December or around the time he's going to return. When do you get on? When are you getting on the boats later? We need the the first person boat story. Let Let's me tell you that yeah. there's been several media members who have attempted to, and he has denied all incomers. Which <laughs> they couldn't tie a knot. Yeah, right. Uh, I know people who have been on the boat. They say it's a great time, um, but. You know, it's it's good. I mean, and it's it's not even just goofy Clay Thompson anymore. I mean, Mark Spears from the undefeated asked a couple of Mike more, you know, social related questions and and like grown up kind of as more of like a privileged kid uh, with with an NBA father and then coming to realize maybe the inequities for, for uh, you know, black people in America. And he gave like a really, you know, thoughtful, drawn out two, three, four minute answer, essentially a couple of them. And it's like, you know. It, it, he's like he he really has become compared to early in his career when like he he, he was so uncomfortable in front of the microphone now uh you know it, like you said i mean you could just kind of listen to his random thoughts about everything and, and he's delivering great quote after great quote good stuff we're gonna take a break there when we come back we're gonna bring super producer andrew select in to to round out the media day discussion is if nothing else later we have yet to talk about new nba reporter Dave Letterman. We'll get into that in a second. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. All right, we are back. We have super producer Andrew Schlecht on the line coming from Oklahoma City. What's up, sir? How are you? I'm doing awesome. How are you? Am I getting... I'm always forgetting. Are you... Are you uh... You're not Oklahoma City proper, so am I getting the town wrong, Andrew? Well, it's it's Edmond, but I mean, I'm like there it is five miles from KC, so <laughs> there's Fair not enough. much traffic there, Sam. I used to live there. This is true. Yeah, yes, I remember. Shoot, I remember visiting Slater's downtown apartment and and looking around like it was a, an episode of The Walking Dead with no cars anywhere, and <laughs> you know, not too much traffic. But hey, good to have you on. Um, first of all, starting in your backyard, I mean. What was Thunder Media Day like? Did you did you walk around talking to unfulfilled draft picks? How does that go these this, days? Wow. This guy, this guy had a whole <laughs> station. I saw at Thunder. They gave this him like a, true. a podcast station. This I is, saw that. This is I true. That. You can check out Down to Dunk, and uh, we had one on ones with Shea and Dort and Poku and all those guys. And Beautiful. all the future first round draft picks. It was just like a, a ping pong ball in a seat. That's right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Solid work, man. No, I saw that. Um, and, and folks can can make sure they check that out on Saturday for sure. But yeah. as you were doing your Thunder duty, uh, you're always keeping an eye on everything else. What got your attention from NBA Media Day? Well, we have the David Letterman plant, right? Like, we, do we have to, we have to assume this is some kind of planned bit, right? 
Is that where we're at? With seg- this? I was thinking like a segment on a show, right? You know how like Guillermo goes into yes. uh, NBA finals media day and then you see the segment on Jimmy Kimmel. I yeah. assume that's going somewhere. Yeah. First, how do we feel about that? I felt I felt like the the jokes were just kind of, oh, it was kind of They weren't good. And I love Dave Letterman, but like yeah. KD, why is your name KD? Like, what? That's disappointing. I didn't see the jokes. Uh, in general, I 100% endorse as a member of the Pro Basketball Writers Association board. I don't know if this is out of bounds. You know, I'm, I'm you know, promoting a, a non-member uh, who's coming into this space, but I, I was a huge Letterman guy growing up. I love the idea that, you know, most of the players in the room probably have no clue who he is, just this yeah. old dude in the back. And uh, he made his way, I think it was the Today Show that I was watching today. They were joking about how he was the newest NBA beat writer. So Dave apparently is part of our space. I don't, I'm a, I wonder if it's part of, you know, he's done his Netflix show. Excuse me. Um, who knows if it's part of that, but, but uh, I was okay with it. I mean, Guillermo always kind of grinded on me because just didn't really know who he was. And it was, you know, a, a little too sticky for my taste, but if you're going to send the, the big boy in there and, and have a, a legend come into yeah. the press conference, I'm okay with that. Yeah. I would say, I mean, I haven't seen this Dave Letterman segment, so maybe I'll, maybe I'm wrong, but the Guillermo stuff's funnier than the Dave Letterman was, <laughs> stuff was. Agreed. The power of editing. You're about, as Andrew knows, you're about to see uh, some magic once that actually comes out. That's right. Uh, so another question from Nets Media Day. Uh, how big is this Kyrie Irving non-distraction for, for the Nets? Because he, he claims he doesn't want to be a distraction. Well, his actions are proving otherwise. Um, I, you know, so Vinny Goodwill from Yahoo Sports wrote a real pointed column, a league-wide column on the vaccination front and sharing his strong opinion that essentially he said, let's not forget these are the outliers. These are the minority. It's a 90% vaccination rate among players and kind of, you know, recommending that we turn the volume down on the guys like Kyrie who are singing a different song. That's just easier said than done, especially when you have the basketball implications so he is, he's a major distraction right now. I don't know where the story is going out here in San Diego for what it's worth. I've already kind of been told that like on the first day of Nets media day, the, the big three, I don't think is going to talk. I don't know. And I do wonder like when, if at all, is Kyrie going to do more media? Um, but it's also unfortunate. Uh, maybe I'm framing this wrong, but it's like, you know, Kyrie's done so much good work off the court. If you even go back and, and look at you know his tough stance on the bubble from a social justice standpoint. The idea that he was concerned that you know their priorities might not be in the, the right place at that time. I think you know he he as far as being on the right side of history like that holds up just fine. You know his heart was in the right place. There's a lot of good stuff that comes with Kyrie, but it is a little taxing when he ends up being at the front of the line for almost every issue. You know, and and this one in particular is again we can just talk basketball. It's it's putting a super team in a very compromised position and Kevin Durant's having to answer it. The rest of those guys are having to answer it and we don't know where it's going to go. Yeah. He, uh, he, it's a little like the Wiggins situation where like, I, I, I actually do would agree with him that he's not trying to impart all of his, you know, vaccine hesitancy thoughts on us. He didn't even really discuss the specifics of it. Just like Wiggins didn't necessarily want to discuss his thoughts on it. He just clearly neither of them wanted to get it. Um, But because of where they play, it has to be a topic because the fact that Kyrie might not be on the court is the big thing here. If he was 
you know, like what Bradley Beal said in DC, he didn't necessarily need to say because Bradley Beal could just play. He could just be on the right. Wizards and, and right. play. It, Kyrie's, uh, you know, it's a little, you know, unlucky for him that he's on one of the three teams, but the reality is he is. So he was always kind of, kind of be wrapped into this. But it look, if he just gets it done before the first Brooklyn home game, this won't be a topic, but he's got to actually get it done and decide that he doesn't want to make it like kind of a crusade this year. And, and we'll see what he does. If he gets it done, my, my last thought there is that it just kind of begs the question of, and this applies to Wiggins too. Nothing has really changed about the vaccine situation in the past few months. So uh, on a personal level, there's part of me that feels like, let's say they do both go ahead and get it. I would be sitting there going, I mean, you, you created this firestorm unnecessarily if you were going to ultimately, you know, kind of well, bend look, and, and do it. Yeah. I mean, like for Wiggins was trying to get this exemption. It was ill-fated. It was probably never going to work, but I think his hope, you know, clearly was that like at some point San Francisco would, break or you know allow for local sports team to to just kind of skirt by i mean maybe Kyrie had a similar thing like there was ways i think both were attempting to you know get by the rules um but it's to the point now where it's like do it or don't play but i don't think they like i know for a fact andrew wiggins was not trying to make this like wave of of topics on media day Kyrie, right. I cannot speak for on that one, but I know Wiggins wasn't. So this wasn't so. So, but you know, media day is coming. I'm not trying to say these guys are trying to make it a firestorm by any means. It's it's just it's an unprecedented, uncomfortable situation. But um, you know, the inherent nature of the media days, you knew those microphones are going to be there, and you were going to have to address this topic. So I guess yeah. my point is, I would be somewhat surprised if these guys did bend, even with the money that's at stake and and the. Uh, the circumstances. Then we're yeah. talking about, particularly on Brooklyn situation, a completely lessened uh, title contender. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. And then the Warriors, who were already very much friends level, like if everything breaks right, they can maybe get in. Well, they're done. I mean, essentially, because I mean, like Andrew Wiggins really does matter to them. So they they have a complete hole at the three. So that's it is huge from a basketball perspective. That's why we're Ben Simmons so much for time. for Kyrie. Maybe we just found something there. <laughs> Simmons for Wiggins. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, I don't know. And the throw the funny, I mean, like how about Bradley Beal trade trade target uh, all across the league? Like, well, yeah. there's three teams that can't really trade for him at this point right sure, now. If sure. he's, he's openly like that. Yeah. Uh, next topic. Had a little surprise on media day. Zion Williamson is recovering from a broken foot. According to David Griffin, Williamson broke his fifth metatarsal on his right foot while working out on his own prior to NBA Summer League. How big of a deal is this? They are indicating that he will be fine. And correct me if I'm wrong, Andrew, but but around the beginning of the regular season. Do I have that part correct? Yeah, it's the, that, that was the wording. It was around the time the season starts, he'll be okay. Right. Which doesn't right. make you feel good. It doesn't. I, I just generally don't feel great about anything happening in New Orleans at the moment. Yeah. Um, when it comes to the Pelicans, you know, there was a, a tough story written recently about Dave Griffin's tenure uh, in the New Orleans Times Picayune that shed some more light on how challenging it's been out there for him. The dynamic between Zion and the franchise, it, it feels like, you know, very Anthony Davis-esque, um, where it's just going to take a little longer to unfold unless they have great success that 
stems that tide. Um, but not a great thing. I mean, he's obviously dealt with a, a pretty significant amount of health problems already in his young career. And he's just one of those guys, you know, a la Blake Griffin early on in his career where you just want, you know, the, kind of the uniqueness of, of their athleticism and their specialness uh, in terms of the physique and then the human part to be uh, to be perfect. And that's not how things work. He, he continues to battle things and and uh, has one of those springs that, that is a little faulty right now. So it's not great. Yeah, he just plays such a uh, like ferocious style. And it's just f- physically taxing clearly. And uh, obviously, like, you know, it, you wonder like his weight situation and, and the, you know, how he comes down on his feet, on his knees, all that. And it, just how sustainable that style of play is. I mean, it is it. Blake Griffin is a very good comparison by Sam because that's what really kind of shortened Blake Griffin's prime. How old is Blake Griffin now? He's still only like 32. 30, yeah, I was going to say 32. But he feels almost like the 37, 38-year-old, like kind of like aging. I mean, he's rediscovered kind of his game and found a niche on the on the nets, which uh, has been enjoyable to see. But it's just you wonder how shortened Zion's like, you know, explosive prime will be. Uh, but at the same time... Yeah, Blake's I, 32. Yeah, I believe the... Uh, the word is like Zion should be ready for the opener, right? That was the word. Yeah. No, I mean, and that's the thing. So we'll, we'll have to monitor it when we get there. But, but um, again, they need momentum in the right direction. And and right now it just continues to go the wrong way because this is a, probably a chat for another day on the pod, but you know, we're going to talk all season about the playoff picture and the play in tournament component. And they're going to be one of those teams that's going to be kind of on the razor's edge the entire time. Yeah. We've had Zion, uh, deadlines that have been pushed back before of when he's supposed to yes. play. So I worry about well, that. Well, it also speaks, Andrew, to the somewhat, I don't want to say, I mean, I was going to say information void. That's way too strong. You know, there's good reporting that happens out there, but the Pelicans have this knack for keeping certain things in the dark and then just having them emerge. It's fairly rare to have something as significant as a foot surgery be under the radar until media day. I mean, it reminded me a little of, um, Years ago, Monty Williams, when he was coaching out there, was was getting booed at home games by fans and the type of thing that that would have been a huge story everywhere else. And it, you know, it wasn't reported until months later. And it always kind of stuck with me that there's just something about that market where stuff trickles out slower. So even though we think it's a little not ideal at the moment, it's probably even uh, more so that way than we realize. Are you struggling to close deals? B2B selling is tougher than ever. And that's why I want to tell you about LinkedIn Sales Navigator. LinkedIn Sales Navigator is a sales intelligence platform that helps professionals effectively prospect and engage high value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator helps you target the right buyers, surface key signals, and show you hidden allies so that you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash show 23 That's linkedin.com slash show 23 for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash NBA show 23 and get started. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Next topic, the Nuggets lock up their core. Michael Porter Jr. signs a five-year max extension with the Nuggets. Uh, You think this is the right move for the Nuggets to lock him up now, give him the five years? So I like it, but man, they are just cutting checks out in Denver. Don't don't give Stan Kroenke and the Kroenke family any gruff about being cheap. Back in the day, I remember covering the mellow J.R. Smith George Carl Nuggets and and the whispers back then about ownership would always be, you know, that they would kind of, you know, uh, be called the the Walmart franchise in a not so flattering way because they've the Crocky family, of course, has ties to the Walmart foundation or the the store. But now it's, you know, we got Jamal locked up. We got Jokic locked up. We got, um, who am I forgetting right before? Aaron Gordon. Porter. Thank you. That San Diego sleep deprivation is getting to me. Um <laughs> So I like it because the Nuggets believe that they are title contenders. You know, Jamal Murray being out as long as he's going to be out is is unfortunate because I would love to see this group just come roaring back and try to do their thing. And, you know, I do, I'm curious to see uh, at some point, I think we'll get more details on Porter's contract and I, and I wouldn't be shocked to see some health provisions in there because I, I know that was part of the discussion in the negotiations, but you know, they're all in on this group. And they think that in this West where the Lakers have a lot of questions to answer, even with their superstars and the Clippers don't have Kawhi Leonard for a very long time. And I just think that their continuity right there with Utah is, is what they're counting on once they finally get healthy. Yeah, I like it. Um, I I like it for the fan base, too. You know, it's kind of been somewhat of a uh, disinterested area. Um in the last decade or so about NBA basketball and they're starting to build momentum. They obviously have the MVP. And I just like the fact that they could tell their fans like, look, these four will will be here for the foreseeable future. Andrew, you're sitting in Oklahoma city. You know, how nice was it for that first decade of thunder basketball to just like always have the same figures. And they just came to kind of love that team, that core there. And I think to, to build not even just sustained success in Denver, but just sustained interest in, in Denver Nuggets basketball around there. Uh, I think it's good that they could just kind of put this portrait out there uh, for, for their fan base to go like, this is who you will be rooting for for the next next half decade at least. Um, you know, get to know them. Yeah. And they finally got their TV deal settled too. So they can watch that. Hey, so Did they really? The I missed that. Wow. All right. I don't know how I missed that. No, yeah. that's great. So they They're a fun team, man. It's, yeah. it's funny because from a media standpoint, um, in Slater, you already hit on it. Like the interest is not widespread in, in the Nuggets. When we write about the Nuggets, it's it's you know not the the the, the you know metrics, if you will, are not uh, popping off the page. But man, I got a soft spot for their group. The Jokic thing, he continues to be undervalued, even with the MVP. Um, I, not to give a spoiler alert, but I think you know when in the next few months, media outlets start analyzing the top seventy-five players of all time. In, in the context of what the league is doing, because they're doing the you know the latest um, list there, I think Jokic is is going to be likely left off that. And, and in general, um, he's overlooked. But they're a fun group, and they're going to be around for a very long time. 
All right, next topic. Kawhi Leonard said that part of taking his four-year deal was that he wanted to try to play this season. Quote, I wanted to secure some money and I wanted to be able to come back if I was able to this year. Uh, if I would have taken the one and one I would have probably not played this season just to be cautious and opted out and took the five-year. Do you have any optimism that we'll see Kawhi Leonard on the court this season? A revealing quote from Kawhi Leonard. I was just surprised by that. Sorry. Go yeah. ahead, <laughs> what is that? We got Andrew Wiggins, you know, making news. We got Kawhi giving candid, revealing quotes. This is a, this is a different universe. I like it because um, I have admittedly been tough on Kawhi and, and kind of fatigued by a, a history and a series of decisions over the past couple of years that have been incredibly Kawhi centric. And I've just kind of come to this feeling of, I understand his desire to be healthy all the time, but it just, you know, he was pushing the load management approach, you know, all the way to a, a kind of a new edge. Um, and I just like hearing from him that, you know, that he's trying to, to do what's best for the team and push as much as he can. We'll see if it actually happens. I don't have a ton of faith, but you know, I, I do. I mean, I have no problem with that logic and him being in that headspace. Three fringe contenders in the West with uh, players this season who we're just going to be waiting for their return to to figure out if they matter or not. I mean, you got the Warriors, obviously, with Clay. That'll be the first guy back. And then now Jamal Murray. And, and it does like I was a little bit more skeptical about Kawhi. But the fact that he is publicly putting that out there uh, is very notable. So, yeah, I mean, the West will be kind of fascinating to monitor but also at the same time like we're not really going to get much answers early and i mean we will about the lakers and some other teams but you got three teams you're just kind of waiting on before you can kind of know what they are well the other thread between those three teams that i think a lot of people are are sleeping on is that they're all going to win a ton of games even without those guys i think you know the clippers especially i feel like you know we're a little guilty of having that idea that oh no Kawhi they're in trouble. I mean, they almost advanced without him, you know, after he got hurt in the playoffs, you know, Paul George is playing some of the best ball of his career. And so they're going to be tough. The Warriors are going to be tough. And the Nuggets, we saw what they did without Jamal late in the regular season. Now you're going to have Porter Jr., you know, seemingly realizing that he's a max guy now who's got to take another step forward and, and Gordon being more comfortable after that trade last year. So, um, you know, they're, they're all going to be right there. I think the West is going to have a ton of parity. Yeah, it could be interesting because if if these teams that fight really hard, like say the Jazz get the the first seed and then Kawhi comes back two weeks before the play-in, Clippers make the playoffs and you get to play Paul, George, and Kawhi. Like the implications could be pretty big if he does sure. come back. Uh, next topic, Karis LeVert has a stress fracture in his back. Uh, and then the words after that make no sense to me. Then there's optimism that he could, that it's just a minor <laughs> setback. Like that, that sound like, I, I had the one. same reaction. Yeah. Uh, how, I don't have any boots on the ground intel on this one, but yes, I had the same reaction to that information that you did. I do not equate back stress fractures with optimism of any kind. That's about as, as concerning as you typically hear, but uh, I'm also not a medical expert. So, I'm not, you know, we'll see. Hopefully that goes in an okay direction. Yeah. Yeah. I just hope he gets right because he's good. Um, mm-hmm. I like him, but, you know, he's had these set injury setbacks really all his career. But how about last year? He gets traded and immediately finds out about uh, what exactly it was something with his kidney. Um, yeah. But there was like a, yeah, it, it was, it was a scary situation. I just, I'd like to see him healthy for an extended time because I think he could be 
good. And I think that Pacers team could be good if they're healthy. And, and I'm not just talking about Lavert, but how about TJ Warren is still in an unsettled situation with his foot that last time we saw TJ Warren healthy, he was like one of the best players in the bubble. Remember that he was like mm-hmm. scoring yeah. like 35 a game. Basically. I remember watching one game against the Lakers. He like dominated them. And then we haven't really seen him since. So I, I hope the, the Pacers get right and healthy because they could be kind of fun with Rick Carlisle now as the coach. Uh, yep. But they're not healthy. Yeah. Rough start on the wing for the Pacers. Okay. Last topic. Jason Kidd on Luka Doncic. This is a quote from yesterday. I don't know if anybody told Picasso that he has to use all the paints, but I just want to remind him that he can rely on his teammates. His teammates are going to be there to help him. I'm very excited to have this opportunity to work with a young Picasso whose paintings have been incredible up to this point. And are only going to get better. So tell me, when is the last time that you compared an NBA player to a famous artist? Man, I don't think I ever have. <laughs> Crickets. Who knew that Jay Kidd had such bougie taste? Inspiringquotes.com, Jason Kidd. Yes. <laughs> right. Exactly. I mean, listen, the heart of it is good. Jay yeah. Kidd was, you know, one of the best of all time at relying on his teammates. Now he didn't just rely on him, he elevated them. He he empowered them and and you know and and a lot of guys got paid because of his presence and his choice to use all the paints. So I'm down with the spirit of it. I can't wait to see the personal dynamic between Jason and Luca because so I'm good with the spirit of it for sure. That's what Jason's always done. But he's also fairly, you know, been well chronicled that he butts heads with with players uh from time to time. And Luca is as fiery as they come. You know, he would battle with Rick Carlisle on a regular basis. Rick knew that Luca had quickly elevated to a place where he was probably the most powerful guy in the organization, not named Mark Cuban. Um, so some of that is probably going to, you know, inevitably be part of their experience. But um, Jason does know that position as well as anybody. He played it as well as anybody almost. And and I think, uh, you know, that that element is going to be important to see if Luca can take his game to the next level. Big year for Luca. Big year for the Mavs. For sure. Last topic. Fred Katz. Biggest offseason acquisition. He's now <laughs> Nick's beat writer. We got to get into that next week. We will next week. We were going we were gonna have Fred on the show and he was driving. Is it Westchester where the uh practice facility is? His his new life where he gets to leave downtown New York City every day and and brave through the traffic out to the uh, the next facility. But congrats to Fred. Super happy for you, brother. And uh, good stuff, guys. We made the rounds. Uh, I, I hate to say it. I think that the vaccine topic is not going away. So we'll see where that stands next week. The Ben Simmons topic is not going away. The All the above, the Warriors and everything going on there. But thank you, guys. Appreciate it. 